Welcome to Becoming Referrable, the podcast that shows you how to become the kind of advisor people can't stop talking about. I'm Steve Wershing. On this episode, we talk about adopting a voice of the client strategy in your business. Now, we tend to design our businesses based on what we believe our clients want and need. And most advisors understand that getting feedback from clients can be integral to understanding what they value most and how to customize your practice to better conform to what those clients want to make you better differentiated and more desirable by your target clients. But we tend to think uh, about tactics. We tend to think about taking a survey, putting together an advisory board, doing that kind of research, as opposed to thinking about it strategically. Voice of the client is a strategic approach to incorporating the desires and preferences of the clients into the design of your business. So in this episode, we talk about what is a voice of the client strategy. We talk about some of the different methods that can be utilized when putting together and implementing a voice of the client strategy. We talk about things like how to understand the difference between what clients say during these feedback exercises and what they actually do, which is actually a better way of understanding what their preferences are. And listen through to the end, where you'll hear about some new offers to give you tools to um, incorporate a voice of the client strategy in your own business. I thought it was a nice conversation backing away from some of the tactics that Julie and I often talk about in regard to client feedback, and to talk about it in a more strategic way that I, I, I think will be valuable to you and that I think you'll enjoy. So, uh, without any further delay, let's get to uh, my conversation with Julie about voice of the client. Well, Julie, um, it's just us today, and I always love just having conversations with uh, with just the two of us so we get to explore some of the stuff that we're each working on. I know. I look forward to these conversations, actually, so this is great. And now, one of the things that, that uh, you know, you're working on a paper, and uh, it's it's about a topic that I thought it was it would it would be really interesting to sort of dig into, and and it, it it's it, you're doing some research about voice of the client. So, um, you know, we each do some sort of structured client feedback types of activities, but 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 tell me a little bit about. Um, what you mean by doing voice of the client research. Yeah, and I think, you know, because we do often talk about the tactics of gathering feedback, but there is a, a much bigger strategy, which is broadly referred to as voice of the client research. And it really is a, it's a formalized process to gather input from clients so that you can design the client experience around their needs and their wants and their challenges. But our minds often go to the, the methods that we know best. But if we use the, like the broadest possible definition, the process of voice of the client really captures everything that customers or clients, in our case, are saying about a business or a service, and it packages all of that feedback, however it comes in, into a perspective 
on the brand. So as much as, so voice of the client is really a single strategy that a business can have, but the methods that we use to execute on that strategy would change from one firm to the next, the way we get that input. Okay. And so, so, so let's, so can we explore that a little bit? So tell me a little bit more about what you mean by what different kinds of methods and how we would go about gathering that. So I'm, 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 I'm fascinated by that idea. Yeah, because I think that, you know, again, normally what, what we do is we go to the tactics that seem most obvious to us. Like, you know, we do surveys. So people think about surveys, but if we truly look at voice of the client as a strategy, um, the most common methods of gathering feedback would certainly be things like qualitative interviews, focus groups, advisory boards, quantitative surveys, the things that you and I are both very familiar with. Having said that, with larger firms, with some of the most progressive client experience firms that are out there, voice of the client also includes things like uh, website usage patterns, comments that are made on social Ah. media, recorded call data, online reviews. So, so it's, it's gathering all of those sources of input, marrying it ideally with operational data to understand what clients truly think. Interesting. Um, so we're so in some ways, you know, we're we're trying to dig up things that people are expressing that that we may not even know to ask about. Well, that's it because you know one of the limitations of traditional feedback uh, methods and and their their good methods is that it doesn't necessarily give us input on behavior, right? And we can learn as much about how people are thinking by watching their behaviors. Now, look in in our industry, we're we're small to mid-sized businesses. We're not Apple. So, you know, the chances are we're not, we're not using it in perhaps as sophisticated a way, but, but I'm really interested in this concept of voice of the client because it forces us to think about getting input from our clients, not just measuring how we're doing, but actually using their input to inform the overall experience. And that's where I think the magic really happens. Well, and, and I, and I totally agree. And, and I know that we're on the same page about this because, you know, your, your firm is absolute engagement, which is not just, you know, absolute feedback. It's, you know, it's deeper yeah. than that. And, and mine is the client driven practice, which is, you know, let's take this and, and, and let the client, give the client the keys and let them yeah. drive for a while. Yeah. And I, and I think that's, I think that's, that's a message that we, we could do better at, at, at getting out there because um, it's on one level you can you can say how are we doing and you can look at statistics to try to figure out you know do they like me better today than they did last week but I yeah. think you know um, customizing what you do um, to cater more directly to the um, to the preferences of your clients will, uh, you know, will have a transformative effect on, on the business. And, and that, it sounds like that's kind of what you're getting at. Is that right? That's it. And that's, that's what I think uh, this, this whole strategy uh, assumes. So you think about it as, as a title, voice of the client. What it's saying is you're inviting your clients into the business 
not only to tell you how you're doing, but to inform where you're going. And that latter piece does get lost. Um, I, I talk to a lot of advisors. I know you do too, um, where we, we'll talk about client input and the immediate response is, yeah, you know, maybe I gather feedback or um, I don't really need to gather feedback because I know my clients are satisfied. Uh, but Steve Jobs had a, a great quote and he said, uh, it's, it's, you've got to get closer than ever to your customers, so close in fact that you tell them what they need well before they realize it themselves. Yeah. And, yeah. and you know, I think that is what effective input does. You don't go to clients and say, you know, what else do you want me to do for you? Because you won't get a good answer. Yeah, well, I, and I can, I can, well, I can tell you that from firsthand experience. <laughs> you, know, you, don't, you don't get good answers to that. You don't get good. And so this is about truly understanding what their needs are, what their challenges are, what they're thinking, feeling, doing, and then really having a process in place to bring all of that together and say, okay, what do we need to deliver? And, you know, I, and I think this is worth drilling down into because I think there's a line that, that, that advisors have to walk. Um, you know, when, when Steve Jobs said that quote that you just gave, where it's really, you know, where he says, you know, it's really up to us to get to, to, to know them so well that, that, that we know what they want before they want it, or I'm not saying it as, as eloquently as Jobs did, but, but you know, one of the challenges that, that you and I face is that um, there's a difference between um, just deciding that this is where you want to go and deciding it's what's best for the client and then trying to go out there and market it, which is, you know, I, I don't know about you, that's what I more commonly see is that an, an advisor you know, gets really invested in the experience that they've created and they really, and, and they're, they're, you know, when we talk about modifying it based on client feedback, they actually get really resistant to it mm -hmm. because they, they really believe that this is what's best for the client as opposed to um, developing that idea and bringing it to them because you know the client so well and because you've, you've, you know, in some ways watched that behavior and come to understand it better than the client realizes what they're doing. And so can, can you talk a little bit about sort of that, that aspect of it? Well, yeah. And I think, you know, I would, I would even push it a little further and say that the very, the fundamental way in which value is delivered it has changed. So what you've referred to at the beginning there, I think of that as sort of firm centric value, right? We decide what's right, good and right. best and, and we make it uh, available. And then we moved a little more toward kind of a client centric, which in, in our industry, in fairness, look, everything's about the client at some level. I think we do a lot of that very well, but we're, we're really trying to understand the client. But going forward, and, and I know you and I have, have talked a little bit about this, but I'm a, a massive believer that co-creation of value is where it's at in future, which is is not a not so subtle difference. What it's telling us is that, and we see examples of this when in, outside the four walls of our industry, which is where I think we should probably be looking. And really what this concept, which is, and there's a lot of academic research on it, says, the future is that we are actually creating the value with the client. You almost can't separate those two things. And and all of a sudden, that's a, a very different um, 
sometimes yeah. provocative for a lot of people way to think about it. And yet that's what we see happening. So we cannot be immune to this trend. Right. Right. I, 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 I totally agree. And, um, you know, even if it were not necessary, and, and you could make a pretty good argument that it's not necessary, um, because, you know, you and I have both seen um, seen firms that not only do they not get client input, but they don't really even do marketing. And then they've made a, you know, they, they've, they've built it entirely on selling and and they've done very well because they're really good at it. Um, yeah. but the, the, you know, the idea of, of, of bringing the client into the, the, uh, the process. And, and I love how you put it is, um, is co-create the experience. Um, you know, that's, that can be so profound and it can have such huge effects on, on the trajectory of the business and on, on, you know, where you can go with it. Can, can you think of a few examples of, or an example or two of, of a co-created experience and what that's done with a business? Yeah, there's, I mean, there's certainly ample examples outside the industry. I mean, the one I remember writing about this a while ago, it's a bit of a silly example, but it's real. <laughs> um, and it's, but there you there go. It uh, and it's importance. And, you know, I'm Canadian, so that's like an institution for us. But, um, you know, I, I, there was this sign as I was driving through the drive through one day that said um, it invited customers to help vote on what the next donut was going to be. And, and I thought, well, you know, first of all, really? Like, does anybody, does anybody care this much? I'd like my, my coffee, please. But, but, you know, what they were doing is pretty clear. They were, they were telling their their customers, you're on the product development team and people could submit different ideas. And then there was the winner and, and all of that. So in effect, that is a, that's a version of co-creation of value, right? You're inviting clients into that discussion. Um, we see examples, uh, you know, Starbucks is another good example of a, a firm outside that does this very well. They invite a lot of client input. You can go to mystarbucksidea.com and you can you can share all of the thoughts that you have about espresso, uh, if you have any. But, but what <laughs> they do that I think is really interesting is they invite input on, uh, you know, how they show up in the world and social responsibility and what uh, organizations they should support right down to the local level. Level, which is why a Starbucks in one city or even one neighborhood might support a different charity than somewhere else. So what they've said is that as a firm, we need to be a reflection in all parts of our business, not just the coffee that we serve, but who, how we show up in the world has to be a reflection of, of what our clients um, uh, want to see. But the, the, the other example, and, and this is like, I want to bring it back to the industry because I think, and this is going to be a technology driven point, but I do think that, that fintech is going to have a, an, a, an extreme impact on this because part of co-creation of value is also literally putting more tools in the hands of clients in a meaningful way so that they're part of the planning process. That's again, that's, that's another example of co-creation of value. You know, it's interesting. I, I, and you, you took that further or in a different direction than I was anticipating. Cause you were talking a little bit about inventing your own donut and, um, you, and, and you thought, well, this is very highbrow. <laughs> right. Exactly. This, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> exactly. What do they have for me? I'm gluten-free. It's, I can't co-create that experience. Um, <laughs> The uh, but I was thinking, you know, um, 
of Amazon and Google and Facebook. And, you know, they're, they're always watching what you're doing. You know, they're not even asking, they're just watching what you're doing. And, 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 you know, that's, um, you know, they are, you know, that, they're not inviting people into the process, but they are incorporating the clients into the process. And, and, you know, those, they're, they're kind of like, they're, they're kind of like the robo advisors of the retailing world, right? They're so, you know, the stuff that you see, uh, obviously the stuff you get recommended on Amazon is based on the things that you've bought before and the, and the number of stars you've given other, other uh, products before yeah. and that kind of stuff. But I, but, you know, even down to, to Google and Facebook and, and the, the stuff that shows up in your feed and the stuff that shows up in your search is a reflection of all the searches and, and things you've clicked on before. Well, it, that's right. And so at, at, when we look at these big companies and it's, it gets a bit scary at some point, but like, this is, voice of the client writ large, right? This is massive technology dollars going into this. And what really interests me is about, okay, how do we then examine the ways that advisors can invite more and better input in more and better ways so that they can effectively implement a similar strategy on the understanding they don't have Amazon's budget? Right, right. right. Um, and so, and I think there are a lot of ways it can be done. Yeah, and I and I think that there's value in um, in, in 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 being more um, transparent about it. Then you know we're not just and obviously they wouldn't make there is no there's no advisor that that has as many clients as any of these big tech platforms does. Um, so you know it, it, that's probably. Uh, you know, we, we don't have to worry about that, but I, I think there's also value of, of consciously bringing people into that process and, and being being open about it, so that you're inviting them into the process and and um, and inviting them to co-create it along with you mm-hmm. and making you more compelling. It is, and and then trying to think about layering in different ways because input if we think of it not just as feedback which is a measurement tool but input which is more of a driver of the experience um, there are different ways that we can integrate that into the business it's not all about you know just going out and getting a net promoter score right right right. so where where a lot of people are at so let's talk a little bit about um about some of those methods um, of of of, ga- of getting that that guidance, you know, when when I talk with people about advisory boards, I'm always saying feedback and guidance, feedback and guidance, because it's not all right. just about feedback. No. It's about tell me where you want us to go. But um, so, um, what what are some of the methods that that work for the people who would listen to this podcast yeah. that, that they can that they can um, solicit that kind of guidance and then incorporate it into their strategy. And so there's a few things that come to mind and ultimately how you use some of this would change depending. I mean, if you're an individual advisor with one assistant or two versus a large RIA and you're on the leadership team, I mean, it's going to, it's going to change a little, but there's a few things that I think are pretty simple. You know, one is just something like client interviews, right? So we can, uh, we can get great information. We'll talk about advisory boards and whatnot, but the one-on-one interview, um, where I like interviews are things like just teasing out uh, better information on the greatest client experiences that people have had, for example. So it's really more of an interactive, an ability to probe and to peel back the onion, but do that one-on-one. So, the, so a client interview is 
one way to get feedback that is much more qualitative. Um, there's focus groups and advisory boards. I mean, I don't know about you. I, I have a clear definition in my mind about the difference between the two. Um, I'm sure you'll tell me if you disagree. But, you know, uh, uh, in, in my mind, I, I use focus groups when I have something that's issue specific. So, you know, we're making a change yeah. to the website. It, it has an end. There's a, a clear focus. You bring people together. It disbands. Um, and again, it's, it's great when you're making a a shift in the business or there's something visual, you know, where, right. and something that you need some discussion on, uh, advisory boards where, you know, you can talk about this a lot better than I can, but again, that's more ongoing. You're getting that kind of guidance and support from, from clients on, on key issues. Uh, there's surveys, of course. I mean, that's where, where we live and breathe every day and, and surveys are, are good, both to measure how you're doing and to gather deeper insights on what's important to clients, what they're interested in learning more about, uh, what topics are on their mind. You know, there's just a, a richness of information that you can gather from there. The, the two areas, though, that I think we sometimes forget about um, are, are a little more issue specific. So for example, a lot of our clients do ongoing client feedback. So maybe every 18 months, they'll do a full survey. But many of our clients are saying, like, we want to improve a certain area of our business. So it might be the quality of the review meeting, or it might be the uh, impact of the plan presentation meeting or something. So We've, we've worked with a few people to design a process where uh, it, the, it triggers a set of questions that are specific to that activity. So, you know, they go through onboarding and it triggers, uh, you know, call it a new client survey that just asks a certain set of questions about onboarding. Or we've got one client who is really focused on making the quality of their reviews better. So after a review, it triggers a very brief survey that asks some quite qualitative but important questions about that review. So again, these are more issue-specific, designed to help. You don't get that in broad-based feedback. Right, right. Uh, and then polls, I guess I would put as maybe a final area. You know, by polls, what I mean is, you know, maybe one or two questions that go out and gather opinion. Maybe it's something in the news. Maybe it's how are they feeling about uh, something in the news or the markets or about their future. But it's more of that, you know, quick and dirty. Here's a let, let's get our finger on the pulse of how our clients are feeling at a moment in time. Um, so all of those things fall under the umbrella of voice of the client but which you choose depends very much on what your objectives are. Yeah, yeah. And um, so we, we employ a very similar system to how you're describing it. You know, we, and, and, and I, I, I agree totally with your distinction between a focus group and, a, and an advisory board. And when we start an advisory board, you know, we have a standard progression of topics that we, that we go through from the first meeting, second meeting, third meeting, and it's systematically deconstructing that client experience. So, you know, we start with, you know, 
what do you find most valuable? We ask questions about the overall value that they get from the relationship. And then we go on to, to you know, let's deconstruct the review meeting because that's the most consistent thing in the relationship. And each of their services, we pull it apart. And after we've done a few of those, we can start asking questions about things that are really not going to benefit the people sitting in that room, like the onboarding process and the, you know, that yeah. kind of thing. But the, um, but one of the things I'd, I'd, I'd you know, I'd like to, uh, I'd like to dig into is, um, getting a, a little deeper understanding, and, and and I wanted to ask you this because one of the things that we do in advisory boards is um, is try to figure out how to uh, how to implement uh, the the feedback that we get. And one of the fears that a lot of advisors have, you know, if they haven't done an advisory board, is well, what if the what if the client, you know, what if the if what if the whole board asks us to do something that we can't or don't want to or can't afford? to do. Um, and, and it's related to uh, there, there another, there's another related topic to that, which is goes back to that Steve Jobs quote. And um, um, <clears throat> it's, um, you know, we, we if, if you just ask your client advisory board or your in personal interviews, and I love that the whole idea of doing, you know, one-on-one -on -one interviews with clients about, you know, about this stuff. Um, you know, you're not going to get a really good answer to a question, what should we do next or what new service should we roll out or those kinds of things? Because, you know, people are constrained. People don't, as Steve Jobs was fond of pointing out, you know, people don't know the next thing they need uh, or they don't have, they, they can't come up with it. But, um, you know, one of, one of the ways that we, um, that we can look behind that is in what you were suggesting, which is tell me about, you know, these, the best client service experiences you've ever yeah. had. Or, you know, we ask client advisory boards, things like what's a technology you can't live without and what do you like about it? And how did, how did you, how did you start using it? Um, but the, the idea of, of, of taking some of the feedback from those kinds of questions and then, and then building a night, a couple of ideas from that and then bringing it back to those people and say, well, when we were talking about this, this is what we heard from you. And from that, we thought, well, you know, you might find something like this interesting or useful. And so tell us a little bit about, you know, if we were to roll something like this out, what would you think of it? And so, so have you had experiences like that? Yeah. I mean, I think that it's, uh, you know, it's not your client's job to tell you what you should be doing. It's, right. That's the hard part of running a business, right? <laughs> We've got to figure that out. Um, and, and so I love the process, uh, whether, whatever method you're using of using it to inform change and then validating that. So part of validation might be if you have an advisory board to go back to them, part of validation might also be to then integrate it into something more quantitative because, you know, ultimately if we're going to make a significant change in our business, we want to be very sure that it reflects not necessarily the, the needs of the majority of clients, just the needs of those clients we're targeting with that change. So that could be a particular segment of clients. Mm -hmm. so, so I do think we also need to be careful with some of the input and do the, you know, add a bit of rigor to the way that we analyze the results and think that through before we just jump off and say, yeah, we'll do that because, you know, a lot of stuff sounds good, 
Yeah, it's well, yeah. Well, that's yeah, that's it. And I, and and I think it's really important. And you know, the 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 big companies, we talked about big companies and and their capabilities and budgets, you know, the the big consumer products companies, they test things all along the way. So it's not like, oh, we got this great idea and people responded to the idea. So let's spend $20,000 developing it. You know, you you want to check in with people each step of the way because it's real easy to come off track between what they might be interested in or had envisioned and what you end up building it's yeah there's there's um a, a volume of data gives you obviously a lot more opportunity to to dig in so if you're an individual advisor and you've got a hundred clients you know you can get great input and guidance from an advisory board and you can get great input and guidance from a survey or both of those things but at the end of the day, you've probably got, you know, 40 data points for 40 data sets from each client to work with. One of the things that that we're really encouraging for for larger firms, so if it's a large RIA, for example, or a large, you know, uh, advisory team at a broker dealer where there's multiple advisors, now we're dealing in, in several thousand clients, perhaps, is is really um, asking smarter questions about the data because mm. it's not just about the averages. It's too easy. People love a good metric. Right? Yeah. Here's where our net promoter score is. Um, gosh, I should tell you a story about that. But <laughs> you know, it's um, it's easy to just do that, tick the box, and then move on. It, what and what we're really encouraging firms to do is say, okay, look. Let's, let's dig a little deeper. You may have clients at risk and that we need to know that, but let's understand why they're at risk. Let's, let's, uh, let's match that back to data on tenure or the products they're using or who they're working with. Let's try to tie it to some operational data. Let's dig into uh, differences across segments, whether that's wealth or gender or age or, or what have you. Uh, let's, you know, let's really get smarter about the questions that we're asking and the way that we're analyzing the data. Uh, but just as I was saying, it reminded me, I've, you know, I've always claimed that I'm somewhat agnostic about the metrics that we use to measure the overall quality of the relationship. I'm not sure that's entirely true because I do kind of have a bias, but the reality is some people like satisfaction, some people like retention, some people like net promoter score, and I never think it's my job to to argue the point. But I can tell you that people misinterpret that stuff all the time. Ah, <laughs> so, okay. So tell us um, more about that. Well, I mean, this happened a couple of times recently with firms that are using net promoter score. Now, I, I would tell you that I think net promoter score is a better uh, a better measure of the overall quality of the relationship than satisfaction, for example. So I, I believe that to be true based on the data that we've gathered. However, it is a measure that needs to be tracked and assessed over time. Uh, so the first time you ask your net promoter question, it doesn't actually give you that much information. It's only if it changes up or down because of the way that people answer it. So we had two clients, big clients recently, net promoter um, shops, and we asked that question. And both felt that they had a higher percentage of detractors, which is sort of a 
zero to six rating on a net promoter question. And there was some concern about it. So we dug into the verbatims in a much deeper way than we might normally do. And what we found in both cases is that about 40% of the people who were detractors weren't detractors because they thought the service was bad. It was either because because just, I mean, if, if people aren't familiar, the question is how likely are you to refer your advisor in the next 12 months or recommend your advisor in the next 12 months? And the assumption is if you say you're not, there's a problem. Well, about 40% of them answered that poorly because they either said, I don't think anybody's going to ask me for a referral, which is mm-hmm. the best answer, by the way. <laughs> um, yeah, or I'm just private and I don't talk about these things. Or, uh, you know, the location just doesn't work because I don't live near my advisor. But none of it had to do with the quality of the relationship. Yeah. So we've got to be really careful with these metrics and what we what we read into them. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I I totally agree, and we 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 see a lot of that kind of thing too. And I think um, it's you know there's a really important distinction that that you brought up earlier in the conversation um, about uh, being about being careful about not relying on these feedback statistics too much because there is you know I've I've gotten from from your studies and I've gotten from direct experience with the advisory boards that uh, there, there can be a big difference between what people say on some of these feedback um, instruments and uh, what they do. Yeah, well, and that's right. So, you know, the basic difference between things like stated importance, right? Here's what I'm going to tell you on a scale of one to five is important to me and derived importance, which is what's actually influencing the results can be vastly different. And, you know, you ask me, I don't know if I've shared this with you because it came out at a presentation recently, um, but, but my point was, like, if you asked me what's important in a relationship with my husband, you know, I would talk about caring and honesty and loyalty and all of those things. That's stated importance. Mm-hmm. But, but when he, like, loads the dishwasher the right way, um, I actually just love them slightly more. Um, so, so that's actually influencing me, yeah, and and yeah. I'm only sort of being facetious. But <laughs> but the point is, we need to understand what's influencing, not just what people say is important. Right, right, and um, you know, we I've had experiences with uh, you know we we might bring to an advisory board a question about. Uh, about client events, and you know, we, yeah. it, it was a we've had we had a great event recently, but uh, we would love for for people like you to bring to bring guests to introduce to us. And so, what can we do uh, that might encourage you to do that? That might stimulate some of that. And they they gave us a list of stuff, and the the advisor went off to their credit, and they they diligently did all that stuff, and they got exactly yeah. the same results later. And then, and so afterwards we sat down and we said, so this is what you suggested. This is what we did. And this is what happened. Can you help us understand, um, you know, can you help us understand that outcome? (laughs) And, 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 you know, they said, oh yeah, well, yeah. And, and so what they said in, in the, in the clinical situation of, of a board, you know, was, was obvious. It was not actually what, what they did. And and I think another great example of that is in your studies, um, when you ask, you know, um, how likely are you to uh, 
to refer your client um, and you get 90% plus it says that said I'm 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 willing to and you can tell me I'm what the willing, actual I'm comfortable yeah, yeah comfortable and that and and how many actually do um, yeah. if and and if you ask the advisor they say well 4% actually did but if you ask the clients they said you know 30% actually did and so you've got mm-hmm. two really interesting gaps there one is I'm comfortable doing it and I actually did it that's one gap and then I did it and yeah. the advisor got it that's a whole big different gap so you know that so how well, it, so so if we if we want to so, I'm sorry go, make that point. No, I was just gonna, yeah, I wanted to pick up on that because I think what you're highlighting is something that we miss on feedback, which is the need to dig deeper, right? Yeah. So yeah, too yeah. often it's just we leave it at that. Well, on that question, for example, with a lot of surveys recently, we've not just been leaving it at did you refer, but we're trying to drive down to if they said no, why? Not yeah, in a yeah threatening sort of way but just just why and and now you start to get better and better and that's the thing with feedback whether it's in an advisory board that is uh, you know i imagine the longer they're together the quality in, improves same with surveys the more you ask the more you dig into the right things the better the quality mm-hmm. yeah and um so I, I so i think you're exactly right on on digging deeper and one of the things that um, I love to do in individual, uh, one of the things that, that, that I think helps drive referrals is that when you, uh, when you get a referral, when you, when you, when your response to getting a referral, um, I think it's really useful to, when you, if you talk to that person who made the referral and thank them for it, to yeah. follow that up with a question to say, how did it come up in conversation? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because getting some insights in that is, is stuff that you, you cannot get just by asking them without prompting because they won't remember. Yeah. They won't have any idea. Exactly. What other exactly. kinds of ways can you, what other kinds of things can we do in there to help drive more referrals? So I know, yeah, and I'd love to hear from you how you do this with advisory boards as well. Um, for me with, if it's, if it's surveys where I'll take it to, you know, where, where we, know about this the best is um is just having a deeper conversation so asking if somebody has referred understanding why they haven't if they if they didn't and then being able to drive that data to the client level and and understanding then how to have a conversation about that not hey you said you had a referral can you give me their phone number you know we don't do that but we can we can start to tap into what we know the motivation to be so whether that's you know i saw you provided a referral thank you so much Um, can you just tell me a little bit more about the circumstances and and why you thought we could help now i mean those words are very intentional because we've done all the research on why people refer yeah right, right? right so we you know we can tap into that but you know here's another really simple idea um you know, we like, we should and do thank people when they give referrals, mm-hmm. right? So <clears throat> it seems pretty obvious. And you pointed out earlier that this gap that we see, so we have about a third of clients who feel they've referred. We never thank those people, right? Because right? we don't know they've been referred. So one of the things I've been encouraging um, our clients to do is when they gather feedback, it, they get their list of clients who said they referred is to simply send them a thank you note. Oh, that's brilliant. <laughs> right? It's just That's great. You know what I mean? Like and it's not going anywhere further than just this is what I they would have done if they'd known and it just reinforces the kind of behavior. Yeah. What do you like what do you do with 
advisory boards to try to transition that then into referrals or, or is it something that just naturally happens? Well, um, so it's something that naturally happens and, and I think it's because you are, um, paying more attention to those folks and you're, you know, you're engaging them more in the relationship. If, you know, if, when you, um, give them a little peek behind the curtain, when, when you, um, give them access to stuff that you wouldn't normally tell all clients, mm -hmm. you know, they, they feel closer to you. They feel that they feel a closer bond. And so that's, I think one of the big contributors to the fact that, um, the people sitting on an advisory board tend to become much more stronger referrers than, um, than the average clients. Um, and, and we see that as a, as a pattern pretty consistently. Um, we, and, and one of the things, one of the things that we, uh, that we do to sort of enhance that is that when we screen, when we develop the, um, the evaluation criteria for who you should invite to your board, which is maybe the second most important thing that you do when you put your board together mm -hmm. behind the quality of the questions right. is, um, uh, is, you know, you want only target clients and you want, you know, there are a couple other criteria, but one of the big things is, you know, give preference to the people who give you referrals, reward, spoil your, you and I found this in our research a couple of years ago, spoil your referral sources. And if you say, you know, you've been a tremendous supporter of, of our business and, um, partly because of that, we, we'd like to involve you in, in, in helping us do it better. And that's a, that's a very powerful statement. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but we also ask a lot of questions about referrals in those sure. meetings about, you know, if you've referred, how did it come up in conversation? What did, what did you, what did you say to those folks? You know, if you were to mention us to, to somebody that, you know, what kinds of things do you think you'd be inclined to say? Um, that's, uh, it's all, you know, that those are all really, uh, really, you know, they, they give you some really good information about how to do it more, but also to remind them that, that they could do it more. Right, right. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So there's, like, I mean, that's the interesting part to me about, you know, where we started, which is voice of the client, which is a, in, in essence, it's a, it's a bigger strategy. It's almost a philosophy, if you will, about the fact that we bring the client into the business. And from there it becomes, well, what are the ways that make sense based on our objectives? But, but what you and I have seen and what I love about this whole process is then it tends to drive and can drive if you do this intentionally more referrals. So it's one of those few strategies that give in so many different ways, right? It, it right, yeah, right. engagement and referrals at the, at the same yep. time. So uh, we're a bit over time. Yeah. So let, why don't we, why don't we wrap this up? I know that you are, um, that you are back in the, um, in the survey business. So how can people find out about um, how to access those kinds of services from you? Yeah, absolutely. We'll put a link to the, to the report in the, in the show notes as well. Uh, but just, you know, visit us at absoluteengagement.com. Uh, there's certainly information there on the client feedback work that we're doing. Excited to be doing that work in, in a number of different ways. And, and that's, yeah, that's the best way or the blog is always good as well. Cool. How about you? And 
Well, uh, I don't know if we've mentioned it on here before, but we we actually uh, not we do the the advisory boards uh, if for for firms we help them design yeah. them and then we facilitate and then we give reports and we also for those firms that uh, want just want more information about it or want to do it themselves we actually now sell a kit um, that includes a forty page manual and some of the standard forms that you can print right out. You can print the name tense, you can print the invitations, but you also get access to a website where you can download all the worksheets, templates, and uh, and forms that you need to be able to do that. And you can find out more about that by, ready? This is a great URL. Uh, by going to get.advisoryboard.solutions. Get, I love it. <laughs> I love it. Um, so that's perfect. So I love that idea, by the way, because there's a lot of people who, who want that facilitation. But if you just want to yeah. be able to do it yourself, you, you need those resources. So so you're the guy right. to do it. Exactly. Well, it's been good exactly. talking. It's nice to talk. It's always nice sometime. to talk with you. I love these these conversations where it's just the two of yeah. us. And um, I look forward to talking with you and everybody out there again on uh, when we have a next guest uh, on Becoming Referrable. Absolutely. Take care. See you, Julie. Bye. Hi, it's Julie again. It was great to have you with us on Becoming Referrable. If you like what you've been hearing, please do us a favor and rate us on iTunes. It really does help. You can get all the links, show notes, and other tidbits from these episodes at becomingreferrable.com. You can also get our free report, Three Referral Myths That Limit Your Growth, and connect with our blogs and other resources. Thanks so much for joining us.